ಶನ್ನೋ ಮಿತ್ರಶಂ ವರುಣ ಶನ್ನೋವತ್ವರ್ಯಮಂದ್ರ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಿ ಶನ್ನೋ ವಿಷ್ಣುರುಕ್ರಮ ನಮೋ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣೆ ನಮಸ್ತೆ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಸಿ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ವದಿಷ್ಯಾಮಿ ಸತ್ಯಂ ವದಿಷ್ಯಾಮಿ ತನ್ಮಾವದು ತದ್ವಕ್ತಾರಮವದು ಮಾತು ವಕ್ತಾರಂ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಸಹನೋ ಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಭ್ಯೋಧ್ಯಮೃತಾತ್ಸಂಬೂವ ಸೇಂದ್ರ ಮೇಧಯಸ್ಪೃಣೋ ತಸ್ಯಧಾರಣೋಭೂಯಸ ಶರೀರ ಮೇ ವಿಚರ್ಷಣ ಜಿಹ್ವಾ ಮೇ ಮಧುಮತ್ತಮ ಕರ್ಣಾಭ್ಯಾಂಭೂರಿ ವಿಶ್ರುವ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣ ಕೋಶಿ ಮೇಧಯಾತ ಮೇ ಗೋಪಾಯ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಅಹಂವೃಕ್ಷರೇರಿವ ಕೀರ್ತಿ ಪೃಷ್ಠಂಗಿರೇರಿವ ಊರ್ಧ್ವಪವಿತ್ರೋವಾಜಿನೀವಸ್ವೃತಮಸ್ಮೆ ದ್ರವಿಣಗುಂಸವರ್ಚಸ ಸುಮೇಧಾಮೃತೋಕ್ಷಿತೇತ್ರಿಶಂಕೋರ್ವೇದಾನುವಚನ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಪೂರ್ಣಮದೂರ್ಣಮಿದೂರ್ಣಾತ್ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದೇ ಪೂರ್ಣಸ್ಯೂರ್ಣಮಾಪೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯದೆ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶ್ರುತಿಸ್ಮೃತಿಪುರಾಣಲಯಂಕರುಣಾಲಯ ನಮಿ ಭಗವತ್ಪಾದಶಂಕರ ಲೋಕಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವ ಬಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತ ವಂದೇ ಪಂಥ ಪುನಃ ಪುನಃ ಈಶ್ವರೋ ಗುರುರಾ 
आत्मेरे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमवत व्याप्त देहाय दक्षिणामूर्त अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनस गोचरम अवांग मनस गोचरम आत्मखिलाधारम आत्मखिलाधारम आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्धये आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्धये अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अतीतद्वैतभानग अतीतद्वैत गुरूनाराध्य वेदात गुरूनाराध्य वेदात सारम वक्ष्ये यथामे सारम वक्ष्ये यथामे yesterday we discussed ahimsa non violence we said that ahimsa the violence really is something that is inherently there right in the very creation because this whole creation is coming to being from ignorance which is the cause and that ignorance creates in one a sense of individuality ahankara is nothing but a product of what we call adhyasa superimposition so the immediate product of ignorance is superimposition ahankara the sense of individuality taking this body mind etc as a self and taking therefore the self to be mortal taking the self or atma as mortal taking atma as ignorant taking atma as limited this is what happens on account of superimposing the attributes of the body mind intellect upon the self and this arises what we call a sense of smallness inadequacy limitation bondage which is something which is wrong atma the self who is free is taken to be bound there is a conflict the self that is that is pure taken to be impure or free from limitation is taken to be limited that is happiness in the nature is taken to be unhappy so this is where the first conflict is and that is where the first assault is this is called the hurting the self nobody can hurt the self because it is beyond all the weapons it's beyond everything and so self is not hurt in a in a primary sense but in a secondary sense we say that there is constantly a self denial a self rejection because the self to be is taken to be just opposite of what it really is it is adequate is taken to be inadequate it is free is taken to be bound is pure is taken to be a sinner and this is what we call the himsa the first level of violence the subtlest level of violence that's the reason why we find the creation violence everywhere because it is based on violence in that sense you might say violating the self is the first level of violence and this itself is the seed of all the conflicts can you, there is a, this is the conflict is similar to the conflict of the 10th man the 10th man searching for the 10th man is the source of all the conflict 
However good that person is even then, as long as he is searching the tenth man, there is going to be conflict in his mind because his attempts are not going to be successful. So this attempt of search for the freedom or search for happiness, these attempts are not successful because one is looking for freedom or security or happiness where it is not. One is not looking where it is. Therefore, life is full of frustrations. It's, it's a matter of degree. But there is inner sense of frustration or disappointment all along because one is aware that one is not getting what one wants or one is not what one, one wants to be. Therefore, there is always a demand upon one's own self. There is an ideal self and I find myself to be a self. I want to be better than what I am. I want to be greater than what I am. And I always find myself not even be able to live up to my own values. So, this self-rejection or self-condemnation is, is a product of taking the self to be limited. <clears throat> and then when I look for security, inadequacy or happiness in the world, I meet with constant disappointments. I seek it through the wealth or family and whatever it is. So there are all the attempts of man to seek the security, which he, he does find now and then, but he's, he wants lasting security, he wants lasting happiness, which nothing can ever provide him. And so the fundamental frustration, disappointment or conflict is there. It is that conflict which is within, which expresses itself as conflicts without. So that is the source of all the himsa or violence. <coughs> and therefore, real non-violence is only to know the self as free or adequate or happiness. Then alone the ultimate non-violence will be possible. Otherwise, as long as I am insufficient or inadequate within myself, regardless of what I do, there is going to be some violence because in anything and everything that I do, there is a self-rejection. I'm looking elsewhere for what I'm seeking. So the first level of non-violence will be viveka, discrimination. To see this fact that what I'm seeking is not to be found outside of me is to be discovered with my own self. This viveka or discrimination is the first level of non-violence <coughs> from the Vedantic standpoint. And that non-violence brings about what we call vairagya or dispassion. Viveka brings about vairagya. So how non-violence is taught by Vedanta is viveka, discrimination between the self and the non-self, permanent and impermanent. Recognizing impermanent is impermanent. Recognizing non-self is non-self or impermanent as impermanent. That's all one has to recognize. And when I recognize impermanent as impermanent, at least I do not run after the impermanent in the search of permanent. Paratah kāmān anuvinti bālaha te mṛtyoriyantit vitasya pāsham atadhīra amṛtatvam vijitvā dhromad dhruveshvena prārsayante, says Kathopanishad. 
Atha dhiraha amrutatvam viditva. Dhiraha, the discriminating people. Amrutatvam viditva, knowing the immortal, knowing, knowing that they are seeking immortal. Dhruvam adhruveshu ihana prasayande. They do not seek the permanent in and through the impermanent. Thus recognizing the nature of thing is very important. Recognizing nature of everything. Everything has an inherent worth, recognizing that worth also. That world has, when it is said it is mithya, doesn't mean it is useless. Doesn't mean it is worthless. It has a worth. And whatever worth it has is also recognized. That for hunger, thirst, heat, cold, all of these, definitely the world has a place for solving all the problems related to non-self. But as far as problems related to self are concerned, problems centered upon I are concerned, that problem of inadequacy or unhappiness or insecurity, that the world cannot solve. That's all we have to recognize. World can solve the problem of hunger and thirst and poverty and illiteracy, definitely. And for that, definitely, the world is useful. World cannot solve the problem of my sadness or inadequacy or insecurity, this, re- this realization or understanding has to come. Then at least I do not look upon the world as a source of security or happiness, knowing what it is. That doesn't mean I hate the world, this is knowing the things as they are. This is called viveka or discrimination, recognizing impermanent as impermanent. And therefore, automatically the search for security and happiness from the worldly achievements slowly stops this is called vairagya or dispassion. So that ahimsa or non-violence and proceeds further in terms of vairagya or dispassion that I do not have the extroverted activities of searching for happiness and security in the world. And I become what we call an introvert person, meaning the mind becomes slowly focused upon the self in search of that security or happiness. Then comes the Shamadi Shatka Sampatti. When Vairagya, the dispassion is, then slowly and slowly I work with the mind. And I try to make that Viveka and Vairagya as, as my very being. And thus whenever mind comes up with desires, whenever mind comes up with attachments and aversions, then I make the mind see that there is no cause for attachment or aversion or the desires that the very desire, the very attachment, very aversion is born because of the wrong value assigned to the objects of the world. And when I see the things in whatever light they are, then there is no attachment, no aversion. There is harmony. Harmony is when there is no attachment or no aversion. Thus a harmony is created with the outside world. There is no harmony when I look upon the world as a source of security, or I will hate the world, then there is no harmony, either where I am dependent upon the world, then also there is no harmony. And where I aversion for the world, then also there is no harmony. Shamaha is harmony in the mind. There is no attachment, nor aversion, then there is harmony. That harmony without brings about a harmony within, this is what we call Shamaha. The quietude, silence, quietude of the mind. And that brings about slowly what we call Dhamaha, also a, uh, a mastery or a control over what we call the sense organs. Because the habit of the sense organs 
to run towards the sense objects all slow by Viveka is slowly and slowly brought to resolve, brought to, uh, brought under, not under control, but slowly and slowly the sense organs are released from those false fascinations. Shama, Dhamma, Uparama, all of these qualities are cultivated. All of these are nothing but ahimsa or non-violence. <coughs> Uparati, an abidance. Titiksha, forbearance. Accommodation, forgiveness. Shraddha, a trust, samadhanam. Mind becomes single-pointed, focused. All of this is ahimsa. Because then the mind's energy are not getting scattered away when the mind is focused. So this is, and then arises what we call mumukshutvam, a keen or, or a strong desire for moksha or a strong desire for knowledge. Further non-violence. And then the shravanam, mananam, nididhyasaram, all of this is in the direction of non which culminates into the knowledge of the self which is the ultimate in non-violence. So how nice it is that the whole pursuit begins with non-violence. What we might call the, the local non-violence. Non-violence in terms of not hurting at the physical level, at the level of speech, at the level of mind, to refrain from hurting anybody. To recognize that nobody has to, nobody should be hurt. Because everybody is perfect in that sense, or everybody is ignorant in the other sense. Nobody is at fault in as much as whatever we call fault are ultimately are all products of ignorance. Whatever people do, whether the people are hostile or people are friendly or whatever they are, all the hostility also arises only from ignorance. And therefore, if a person is bad from our standpoint, then also it is not the person's fault it is because the one is, person is ignorant. And when you are groping in dark, you don't know where you are going. Similarly, people don't know where they are going. In that very process, they hurt others. So even when we are hurt, then also we will not retaliate with a revengeful mind, knowing fully well that the person who has hurt me also is ignorant, doesn't know what the person is doing. Thus, we will be able to develop this compassion within our own self, so this is ahimsa, non-violence. In terms of dealing with the people, it results into compassion. And it results into a positive reaching out ultimately. It develops that harmony. And in terms of the ahimsa, non-violence within my own self, it results into viveka, vairagya, mamukshutvam, ultimately the, the pursuit of knowledge and the knowledge itself. And this is how Ahimsa non-violence culminates into the self-knowledge. Or ultimate ahimsa is abidance in the nature of one's own self. And there is no himsa at all. <coughs> Although what is meant in Yoga Shastra is ahimsa non-violence primarily towards the other living beings. Praninam Parapira Varjanam Ahimsa refraining from hurting anybody at the physical level, at the level of words, or at the level of thought, that is ahimsa. Then second is satya, 
the five yama. Yama, you can call them as the sage general disciplines. Or rather we should say abstinence. Since himsa is natural, yeah, what we say it is, himsa or violence is a natural tendency of an ignorant person. Because an ignorant person has self-denial or self-rejection, and that self-denial and self-rejection alone results into denial and rejection of the world also. And that is how violence is something that is natural, natural tendency. Therefore, restrainment of that natural tendency of violence is called ahimsa. If that violence was not natural, there would have been no need to, to, to be told. But violence is something natural. And therefore, restrainment of the natural tendency of violence is called ahimsa. Why is violence natural? Because of ignorance, because of self-rejection. The rejection of myself results into rejection of others. And that rejection brings about anger, frustration, violence and whatever. And that being the natural tendency of the person, the human being, therefore we are told here, ahimsa, refrain from that. Don't give way to your natural tendency of violating or hurting people. Even though your mind justifies that, stay away from that because it is not right. Understand that the violence outside is a result of the violence inside. And as long as I am violating outside, I keep on violating my own self. That's another thing. That when we really violate outside, violate someone else, in effect we are violating our own self. Because there is only one self. And as we said, that violation outside is only a product of the self-rejection inside. So we should know that when we violate outside, when there is outside violence, there is in fact violation inside. We are always violating our own self. As we understand, that we will be able to stay away from this violence. The natural retaliation, you know, and somebody does something, my assertion, the retaliation, revenge, all of these nat tendencies naturally arise from the mind. And more hurt a person is, more sense of retaliation is, outside or inside. And we should know that all of these tendencies are born of ignorance. Regardless of whether there are reasons or not. There may be reasons for my feeling hurt and my feeling resentment and whatever I have in my mind. There may be valid reasons because I have been treated like that by the world. But I should know that all of this resentment, etc., ultimately is violating my own self. And one to whom I am resentful also is an ignorant person. Therefore, they also don't know what they are doing. And thus, when we see this fact, we will be able to slowly... Uh, release our mind from this natural tendency of retaliation, natural tendency of uh, uh, violence or aggressiveness. And thus a person becomes slowly abiding, self-focused. Uh -huh. Very important. <coughs> and as you said, ahimsa also will require kshama or accommodation. Because the question is, I may not hurt anybody, but how about others hurting me? Then, therefore there is, an, there is again a retaliation. says, no, that non-retaliation is also required when I am practicing ahimsa, kshama, accommodation for the faults of others. For what they are, fine, accommodate. Let them be what they are. 
So, as Swamiji would say, dunya bada vistah, the world is wide. Everybody has a room for that. In Everybody has room in this world. And therefore, I need not insist upon world having a particular order according to my requirement. Let the world be what it is. Let the people be what they are. And therefore, let give them freedom. Rather than insisting that they should be like this, this and this, give them freedom. If they are good, bad, indifferent, violent, whatever they are, fine, they are fine as they are. There is an order in whatever way the things are. And accordingly, we accommodate, we accept, or we understand rather. Acceptance means we understand that things are what they are, and there is a reason for that. I may not necessarily understand all the reasons why everything is what it is. But I know that there must be a reason, even though I don't understand. I give credit or benefit of doubt to the Creator. You know, one who is constantly creating, we give him the benefit of doubt. And believe that there must be a reason for that, and that's how we accept things as they are. This is accommodation. And that will enable us to uh, stay away from retaliation. This is kshama or accommodation. When there is a reason also to retaliate, and then also I do not retaliate. This is called kshama. So along with ahimsa or non-violence, you also require kshama or kshantihi or accommodation. That completes the, the uh, vrata or this vow of non-violence. <coughs> The next is Satya. Satya is truthfulness. Yathartha Bhashanam. Simple definition of Satya or truthfulness is Yathartha Bhashanam. Yatha Artha. Bhashanam. Bhashanam means speech. Yathartha, which is in keeping with the things as they are. So, simple meaning of the word Satya is. Speaking or our speech being in conformity with the way things are. <coughs> the way things are means the way things I know them to be. By pratyaksha, by perception, or anumana, by inference, or shastra, by scriptures. So by perception, by inference, or by scriptures, I know things the way they are, or as I know them to be. <coughs> and bhashanam, when my words are in keeping, when my speech is in keeping with the what I know, meaning there is an alignment between the thought and the word, then that is called satyam. That is it, simple. Yathartha bhashanam. <coughs> A step further would be a, an alignment between the thought, the word, and the deed. This would be satyam. Truthfulness is an alignment between the thought, word, and deed. I do, my actions are in keeping with my words, and my words are in keeping with my thought. This is called satyam. And they're explaining the satyam of the truthfulness. What is meant by truthfulness at the level of speech primarily? Is when I'm communicating with someone, 
then very often when we communicate, sometimes we speak truth, but we speak truth in such a manner that the other fellow does not understand it. Or sometimes we speak truth in such a manner that in fact the fellow understands it differently. So people are very clever sometimes when they want to confuse somebody or want to create in fact a wrong impression or rather the, the contrary idea in somebody, Brahma or delusion. So people sometimes very cleverly use words in order to use their words to either confuse some people or to misguide some people and so then it will not be Satyam. Truth, Satyam or the truth is not merely that what I said, well I said what I, I said what was right, you understood it wrongly. That's what we often say. See, this is what I said and that's a fact. If you understood it that way, what can I do? Except that sometimes we say things in such a manner that he will understand it that way. Sometimes we deliberately confuse people, misguide people. Because we do not want to reveal ourselves or because we want to reveal things different from what they are. So this kind of speech also we call untruth. The idea is that in speaking truth, the intention should also be clear. That when I am communicating something, there is a sincere attempt on my part to make the person see or make the person know what I know to be true. There is a sincere attempt on my part to make the person, other person see or know what I know is truth. I know something to be true. Because I, I have seen it myself, I have heard it myself, or by inference I know it, or I have read it in the, from scriptures I know that. And, and a, a sincere attempt on my part to communicate what I know to be true through my words or actions is what is known as Satya. <clears throat> Why is this value recommended? Again, it is very simple. Because Satya or the truth is the nature of the self, is the nature of Atma. And therefore, whenever I go against the truth, then I am violating my own self. So untruth or falsehood is, the, is a form of violence. How is it a form of violence? Number one, I am violating of course the other person by misguiding him or by confusing him. And therefore, creating ultimately a situation of conflict for that person. And at the same time, when I go against my own conscience, I know something to be right, and when I say something or do something which I know to be wrong, then I am planting within my own self a seed of conflict, a seed of guilt. Because everyone knows within oneself what is true. Or whatever you know to be true. And when we deliberately go against what we know to be true, then we are planting within our own self a seed of conflict or guilt. But why do people do this? Why do people go against their own conscience? When a person knows something is right, why do they still speak that which is false? This is what Arjuna asks in Bhagavad Gita. Athakena prayatoyam papam charadipurushaha Lord, what is it which compels a person to commit the sin? 
what is it that compels a person to go against his own values knowingly or deliberately he does something no knowingly he, he, even though he doesn't want to do it he is also forced to do something forced to say that uh, lie a lie or forced to resort to falsehood why is it so why do persons sacrifice truth compromise truth because there is something more important than truth because kama the lord krishna answers kama esha krodesha here you know the reason why a person goes against his own convictions or goes against what he knows to be true is because there is kama there is passion krodha there is anger only when the person comes under the spell of these impulses of kama krodha or lobha kama means a craving krodha means anger and lobha means greed so this extreme this intense desire or a craving for something or anger or greed when one or the other of these impulses takes hold of me then i go against my very value very values therefore falsehood is because there is kama krodha and lobha when there is greed a person wants more and more when greed is there there is no satisfaction at all there is no contentment person wants more and more and more and when i am not satisfied with what i have and when i must have much more than what i have then a time will come when i cannot procure more by what we call the fair means in which case a person has to resort to unfair means also it is greed that drives a person to resort to unfair means so this greed is there it is said lobha paapa ka mool hai it said in hindi the greed is the the cause or root of all the sin because it is the greed that drives a person or impels a person to compromise all the values and greed is like fire you keep on pouring butter in the fire and how the fire wants more and more and so so you keep on satisfying that greed and then it becomes more and more intense <coughs> so it is not only enough to know that we should speak truth or we should be truthful persons but we should also understand what is it that makes us untruthful when there is a natural love for truth everyone loves truth i want the people to speak truth to me i know that and therefore and i also know what is truth and i want to be truthful everybody wants to be honest there is a natural love for honesty and truthfulness and still why do we find ourselves going against that we should know that cause also the cause is kama krodha and lobha the desire and not ordinary desire but a craving a passion so there are many passions that we have within ourselves a passion for having things in a certain way a passion for having a certain order a passion for having a certain system so these different passions impulses that we have things must be like this this is called karma and when that passion is not fulfilled when that passion is not satisfied when something stifles that passion or something that i'm i'm committed to or something that i i badly need want then that results into what we call krodha or anger when i become angry again the truth goes 
violence comes. The truth also is compromised out of anger. And suppose my demands are fulfilled. When my demand is not fulfilled, there is anger. But when my demand is fulfilled, then what happens? Does that demand go away? It, does, it goes, you know, a given demand goes away, but demand as such does not go. And when my demands are fulfilled, then my mind wants more, then there is what we call the greed, the craving increases. And thus it becomes more and more a demanding mind. And the time comes when my greed or demand will surpass my abilities and therefore a person has to again adopt what we call unfair means to fulfill the desires. So these are Kama, Krodha and Lobha. These are the causes for what we call compromise of Satya. <coughs> of course, honesty. A satya or the untruth also comes on account of not, not accepting our own self. What they would say in the Western psychology as a shame, there is inner shame. And so there is all self-non-acceptance or self-rejection that also brings about what we call falsehood. Because there is a need for me to present myself as other than what I am. Because I don't accept myself as I am, and therefore, I always have a facade and I seek to present myself as different from what I am. This also, this is called, this is called pretentiousness, which is also nothing but a form of asatyam or falsehood. So presenting myself as different from what I am, see this kind of problem nobody else has, only human being has this problem of asatya. These problems are not there elsewhere. As they say, the plants, they don't present themselves to be different from what they are, they are what they are. It's a poison ivy, that's what it is. It doesn't conceal that I am not a poison ivy, you know, that I am a sweet ivy. And then it goes inside and then turns into poison. This kind of play, this kind of games nature doesn't play. Animals don't play any games. The dog comes to you in a very friendly manner and then jumps at you, you know. A human being can do that. He comes to the friend, he shakes hands with you and then points a gun at you. But you don't find that. A dog doesn't like you, he doesn't like you. That He barks at you. Now that he comes to you and then jumps at you. So these kind of things we don't find anywhere in nature. The trees present themselves as they are. If all the leaves are gone away, they're all bad. Doesn't tree doesn't feel that it looks ugly, you know. Why should I do that? Ugly? Fine. Bad? Okay. We don't make ourselves bad at all because I don't stand my ugliness. Or I consider myself an ugly person, an acceptable person. And therefore, I do not present myself as I am. So this is again, from ignorance arises what we call asatya or untruth. Ignorance again is the original cause for person being dishonest or for untruthful. Because ignorance creates in me a complex that I am small, I am inadequate. And therefore, there is a self-non-acceptance. However, I do not like myself as small or inadequate. I want to see myself as adequate. I want to see myself as big. And therefore, I present myself as big or adequate or different from what I am. Because that's what I like about myself. Not only that, not only I like to see myself as big, I want others also to see me in that light alone. 
So there is a need on my part to be accepted by people because there is a non-acceptance of my own self. Since there is a constant non-acceptance of myself, there is a need to be accepted by others. I always want to present myself as an acceptable person, as a presentable person. How we present ourselves with our clothes and with all kinds of things, we make ourselves presentable. By our speech and manners, etc., we want to make ourselves acceptable. If it is natural, if that speech and manners are natural, fine. But very often, we in fact make ourselves do things in order to be acceptable, in order to be presentable. Because I don't accept myself. And therefore, a need to be accepted by others. And therefore, to present myself in a manner that would be acceptable by them. All of this arises from self-non-acceptance, which is a product of ignorance. So we should know that asatyam or falsehood also is a product of ignorance. Therefore, if someone is dishonest, someone is a hypocrite, or someone is lying or, or whatever, then we should know that it is not the fault of a person. To be ignorant is nobody's fault. That's one thing. Ignorance is not something that I have created or I have invited. I find myself to be so. Whoever is born is born ignorant. <coughs> so ignorance, we cannot blame ourselves or anybody for that. And asatya also is a product of ignorance. So, one thing we should understand is, remain, stay away from blaming. Stay away from blaming anybody or stay away from blaming your own self because there is no need to blame for the way things are. The way things are because of ignorance. That's what it is. So, satya, satya is truthfulness. But it is a very important vow, a very important thing to do. The woman must be truthful, one must be honest, one is plain and simple. Ultimately, person becomes, should become so simple and so plain as Jesus Christ is to And many saints say, like, just become a child. So when a child is born, that is when the, the truthfulness, no attempt to cover itself, you know. The child, of course, is ignorant and totally, therefore, it is, there is no self-consciousness in a child and therefore, child is what it is. But that there is a total freedom from, a total lack of any attempt of disguise, you know, in a child. And so also in a wise man, there is no attempt to disguise at all. One is very plain and simple, transparent. So to make our, our mind, our personality transparent is the purpose of satyam. And the, the mind is not transparent when there are these impurities, etc. Again, is it karma, krodha, loha, raga, dvesha, attachments, aversions, all of these also create this asatya. When I don't like somebody, then my behavior becomes very unnatural. Or when I'm attached to somebody, then also my behavior becomes unnatural. These attachments and aversions uh, make our behavior um, in a stressed. There is a stressed behavior. There is a stress in me whenever there is attachment or aversion. It creates fear. So out of fear, which is a product of ragadvesha, also person speaks untruth. Out of greed also a person speaks untruth. So this falsehood has its causes in fear causes in insecurity, causes in uh, greed, 
and we should recognize this. So, constant introspection to see if there is any lack of transparency or simplicity or honesty or straightforwardness in me, I must be aware of it and I must be constantly and trying to understand the cause of it. And you have really understood the cause when you see how everything ultimately comes from ignorance. Otherwise, more introspection we do, very often it happens that more self-rejection comes because we find ourselves, I say, am I like this? Do I have these things? And that is how I start blaming myself very often, which also is not right. Whatever difficulties I find within myself are also products of ignorance. So, Satya, Yathartha Bhashanam, the first level of the Satya is at the level of speech. In fact, truth also at the level of act, the deed, word and thought. But primarily, Satya is understood as, or Satya is generally explained as speaking truth. That is called Satya, Yathartha Bhashanam. <coughs> they give us warning also in this Yathartha Bhashanam or speaking truth, they do give warning. It is said in Manasmruti, Satyam Bruyat, Priyam Bruyat, Na Bruyat, Satyam Apriyam. They say Satyam Bruyat, Priyam Bruyat. May you speak truth, but may you speak truth that which is pleasant. May you speak truth and may you speak that which is pleasant. So truth which is spoken by us should also be pleasant. Because truth can be very bitter. People say that truth is always bitter, you know. It is not the truth that is bitter. It is we who are bitter. And therefore the truth comes out in a bitter way. Truth doesn't have to be bitter. But our mind is bitter. Our, the bitterness which is in our mind comes out in the form of truth. So very often we use the truth as just an occasion to express our bitterness. So it's not the truth that is bitter. We have to understand that there is bitterness in our own mind. So if you find that the truth is bitter, better that you do not end. If you find that by your words which are truthful, they are going to be unpleasant. They are going to hurt somebody. It's better that you do not utter Satyam Bruyat, Priyam Bruyat, Na Bruyat, Satyam Priyam. If Satyam the truth is a Priyam, unpleasant, Na Bruyat, then better don't utter that. Satyam Priyam Chananrutam Bruyat. The next question is, suppose what I say is pleasant. You say that what I speak should be pleasant. Then in order to be pleasant, can I compromise truth? Says no. If just because it is pleasant, don't utter falsehood. So number one, don't speak truth if it is unpleasant. And don't speak false even if it is pleasant. So speak that which is true as well as pleasant. Esha dharma sanatanaha. This is called, this Manusmati says, Esha dharma sanatanaha. This dharma, this way of life, this is sanatana dharma. This is the eternal dharma. Eternal virtue is to speak truth which is pleasant. <clears throat> Brings about a lot of discipline. Then we become 
conscious about the words that we use, then ask the question whether what I'm going to say is true or not. Is it pleasant or not? Otherwise I don't speak. And so it's a very beautiful discipline. <clears throat> and ultimately the purpose of truth is, or all these values, also it is stated in the Yoga Shastra itself. The commentator there explains that understand that truth is meant for the well-being of the people, well-being of the society, welfare of the society. So Satyam, suppose you speak truth which is going to bring about uh, a lot of harm to the people, then better don't utter that. I said what was true, and I said it pleasantly also, but it brought, it, it, you know, it killed this person. <laughs> suppose they tell you the story that here is a man who, who is living in a hut somewhere in the forest, you know, so he lives there. One day, as he was sitting in his hut, a person keeps running to him and says, my life is in danger. I'm being chased by somebody else. And if he catches me or spots me, I'm going to be killed. So please save me. Please show me a hiding place. So this man says, okay, hide under that bed. So the person hides. After ten minutes, another man comes running and asks him, did you see a man come here before running in this direction? What should this fellow say? Yes, yes, I saw him. Where is he? He's under that bed. If you say that, naturally the fellow is going to be killed. So that is also speaking truth. Is he speaking truth of any value? If speaking truth is going to bring about harm, is better that that should not be spoken. Should I speak a lie? Depends on how strong you are. You may say, I don't know. I haven't seen him. I have seen him, but he has gone that way, you know. You can misdirect that fellow. Or, if you really want to speak truth, you can say that. I know, but I am not going to tell you. In which case, of course, you would be ready for fight with that fellow. And we are not generally ready. You can say, I know it, I am not going to tell you. Depends on how strong a person is. But as I said, at that time, we must know that the purpose of all these truths and non-violence, etc., is for the welfare or well-being of the people. And if the following that very value brings about a, a hurt or brings about uh, uh, pain or suffering, then that is not satyam. So a lot of confusion is there in the mind of people about truth. But then we should know that what we utter should be for the well-being of the people or well-being of things around ourselves. So this is satya. As we said, whenever we compromise the truth, we are going against our own nature and we know something to be wrong. When we say that or when we do that, then there is in our own mind what we call a sense of guilt. A conflict is created. So a satya or an untruth is a source of conflict in our mind. And this guilt and this conflict, all of these, they all pile up and ultimately create a dis our mind is a disturbed mind we do not enjoy that steadiness of the mind apart from the fact that when we compromise the truth that that's going against the nature and therefore it is what we call a vicious action which will have a negative result of course so when we perform an action that is wrong meaning based on falsehood it has two problems one is it is papa or a sin and therefore, it will bring about a negative result in terms of dukkha, pain. 
That is the result that will come in future. But there is a result, immediate result also. In as much as whenever I go against the truth, then immediately there is planted in my mind a conflict or a sense of guilt and that creates a disturbance in the mind. So therefore, this all these values, ahimsa, satya, all of them have, when you compromise them, there is drashta and adrashta phala. The, you're, you're committing a sin and therefore creating the possibility of future unhappiness at the same time creating a conflict within your own self. <coughs> so this is satya or truthfulness, a very important value. These are the two values which a great uh, saint in India, the modern Mahatma Gandhi, he adopted these two as the fundamental values, ahimsa and satya. And people talk about it all right, but he was a person who actually wanted to make it a reality in the life. And he formed that as a basis for his work in India. And on the basis of this ahimsa and satya, in fact, he crea- he saw that that's a real strength. We think that the person who is violent is a strong person. But then that is not so. Anger or violence is not a strength, that is weakness. And non-violence is a strength. And by this non-violence and truthfulness, one can invoke such an amount of strength from within one's own self that anything can be accomplished. And that is what he actually demonstrated. So, ahimsa, satya. Third is, astayam. Astayam is non-stealing. Adatta adana rupa paraswa harana rahityam. Paraswa harana rahityam. Refraining from taking away somebody else's property or wealth is called astayam. Refraining from taking away the wealth or property or thing that belongs to someone else. But suppose somebody gives you that, then what? So maybe an article or an object belongs to somebody. If that person willingly gives you, then you can accept it. So, just to be precise here, what is astayama non-stealing is refraining from taking something that belongs to someone when that has not been offered to you or not been given to you. When somebody willingly gives you something and you accept it, it is not called stealing. But it is called stealing when you take away some, take something away which belongs to someone else and which has not been given to you, then this is called stayam or stealing. <clears throat> this also is from ignorance. The stealing, you know, the desire to take something that belongs to someone else. They would say that stealing is not merely confined to a physical act of lifting something, shoplifting and what not. It will be interesting how this this instinct of stealing is so universal. I read that in the last Winter Olympics, the, the athletes from some Western countries, athletes, you know, the Olympic athletes, were found to be shoplifting in that place. Can you imagine? 
So these people are so, so well taken care of or whatever it is. But when they, maybe they were coming from countries where they had not seen certain things and they were found with stealing and shoplifting and things like that. So that inner inadequacy again makes me acquire things by compromising values. As we said, it is greed, the loha or the greed that does it. So in order to fulfill the greed as far as possible, I employ means that are fair. But a time comes when my desire or requirement exceeds my capabilities, in which case I have to take, I have to resort to what we call unfair means. And therefore, people shoplift, people steal. Of course, there are many people who steal because there is a need on their part, because there is poverty, because there is starvation, because there is deprivation. And so, if a person steals, it is understood. But when the stealing is because of greed, then that would definitely be called a sin. It would be wrong anyway, but I think it is quite understandable that a person is hungry. It is interesting that in this text calls, I think in Manusmriti or another text it is said, that if you are hungry for three days, then you have a right to go and steal from a shop, you know, food. If you are hungry for three days, then a person is justified in stealing food. So they understand the need of the person, that when a person is totally deprived or famished, then that the desire to appease the hunger may be there, and for that if a person resorts to maybe, un, I mean, wrong means, then it is understandable. But already I have what I need, or I have to fulfill all my basic needs, and still I steal, because of greed because of extreme insufficiency within myself. Again, as we said, the stealing comes from ignorance. Again, because of ignorance, I take myself a small, inadequate person. Therefore, I all the time feel a sense of deprivation or a sense of inadequacy makes me desire to be adequate. And so I see it in wealth and whatever I don't have. Therefore, there is a need for me to take that. <coughs> it's amazing. But this desire to take things which belong to someone else. Of course, in different cultures it may be in different intensity, but uh, so children, you know, when they're playing, when they find something, so this is, I found it, it belongs to me. I don't know whether this kind of a thing is here or not, but I often find, no, in India very easily, children when they play, somebody drops something, he takes it. I found it from there, you know, it's not yours, now it belongs to me. So right from there, there is a desire, like children take away each other's toys and things, you know. There are children in the home. So the brother, sister, whoever else has, he wants everything. He goes to neighborhood and he wants everything that belongs to a neighbor's child. Why? Because he wants everything to himself. And so this kind of, this tendency to steal is there. And that arises again from a sense of inadequacy within. So we have to know, if you find that tendency, we have to work with it. And of course, the stealing can be extended further also. I think in a civilized society, we don't steal things, generally speaking. But all this dishonesty is all, you know, what is going on at a higher level also. All the corruption, dishonesty, all of that is all the stealing. People trying to... Uh, people try not to declare their income 
or try to use the loopholes in order to stay away from paying their, you know, taxes and what not, is all a part of stealing. All the kickbacks and all the corruption, all of this is nothing but stealing. All of this is a product of greed. And stealing can also be understood even further from this Vedantic standpoint. Lord Krishna talks about the stealing in Bhagavad Gita. Devan Bhavayatanena Te Deva Bhavayantuha Parasparam Bhavayantaha Shreyaf Param Vapsatha Lord Krishna in Bhagavad Gita in the third chapter points to the obtaining harmony in the creation and says how all the devatas, meaning all the elements of the nature, are constantly helping you, supporting you, favoring you. And therefore your actions all should also reflect this, this privileges that you are enjoying, and therefore your actions also should reflect the paying back, paying your debt of the privileges that you are enjoying. And therefore, in short, there must be in your action a consideration for all the elements of nature, that you don't hurt them, you don't harm them, and that you pay back what you are receiving from them. So this awareness on part of oneself, that one is enjoying many privileges, one is enjoying or receiving many favors from the nature, from the society, from the people, things and beings around oneself, and that one is what one is on account of the support and the favor and privileges that one is enjoying. And therefore, there must be a, a, a constant attempt on my part to pay back. When I don't do that, that is also called stealing. Parasparam bhavayantha shayaf paramavapsada ishtan bhagan hyo devaha dasyante yajni bhavitaha Says these devatas, please by you, when you perform the yajna, when you perform the acts of worship, when you perform the acts of prayers, then please by those actions, those devatas also will favor you. But when you receive the favors from the devatas, or when you receive the favors from the society and whatever, if you don't share, if you don't pay back in return, and the fellow who enjoys the privileges without returning the in-kind is called stena, he is called a thief. So this is a, a definition of the thief, a spiritual thief. By law, he may not be called thief because he is very clean as far as the law is concerned. But then there is something called the conscience and therefore an awareness. Therefore, the... Uh, Indian scriptures talk of the debt, the idea of debt. How a person who is born is born with this threefold debt. I have debt towards my parents and ancestors because they have given me the body and nurtured and nourished it. I am indebted also to the sages and saints and the thinkers and the teachers because they have made this storehouse of knowledge available to me from which I am drawing freely. So Pitruruna, a debt towards the ancestors and parents. Rushiruna, a debt towards all the teachers from whom I have received this wealth of knowledge. And Devaruna, a debt towards the devatas, elements of nature and God 
who has been constantly favoring me, supporting me. That I'm able to speak and walk and talk and think and see and hear, all of this is because of the favor that I'm receiving. Those devatas are dwelling in my own being person and because of their favor alone the sense organs are functioning and because of the favor of the nature and the elements of nature that I get what I, uh, you know, what is necessary in my life. So I'm enjoying constantly a favor from the nature. So therefore, there is a debt towards the devata. That is called devarunam. So we are indebted. Indebted to parents, ancestors, indebted to the teachers, indebted to all other elements of the society who help us, who support us, because of whom our existence is possible. And our actions should reflect an awareness of paying back this debt. If this debt is not paid, then we think that we may be very clever and getting away with uh, with the privileges, but we don't get away because in the universal computer it is registered that this fellow is in fact not paying back the in you know in correspondence with the privileges that he's enjoying. <coughs> so this is all called stayam, stealing. We might call it the spiritual stealing. So adharma would be stealing. Dharma is the duty. When you fail to perform your duties, when you fail to perform what is what you should be doing depending upon your place and situation in a given, you know, role that you are playing in a given situation, when you don't fulfill that, there also is a kind of stay, 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 meaning kind of stealing. So therefore Lord Krishna says, stay in This fellow is a thief who receives all the favors and does not return the favor. So, in short, Sage Patanjali says, whenever he gives us his values, he spots within ourselves his natural tendencies. Stealing is a natural tendency. Receiving a gift and not paying back is a natural tendency. Taking things away without somebody's notice also sometimes there is a tendency. And it may not be a thing, it may be other things. It may be somebody's time, it may be anything that I may have a tendency to take without re- returning the fav- equivalent favor. This tendency that we may have is called this, the stealing tendency. We should just become aware of it and should also know that even this tendency also is a product of ignorance. And this trace everything to ignorance, which is a fact. And that is the way to resolve all the different tendencies from ourselves without f- the self-condemnation, without feeling frustrated or dejected or, or you know, uh, about ourselves, we shall be objective about it. So to spot these tendencies and be objective, know the cause and trace them to the original cause called ignorance, which brings about the ego, which brings about all these other problems. So when we understand that, we shall be sympathetic to our own self and we shall be able to objectively deal with these things. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamadaf Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punaf Punaha 
ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मेरे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्तदेहाय दक्षिणामूर्तये नमः ओम शान्ते 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 हरि ओम श्री गुरुभ्यो नमः हरि ओम